what, like <laughs> nearly 70 degrees here today. And I want to say thanks to everybody that participated in the Toys for Tots ride today. And help got out, help get out some toys to some kids in the Ozarks that are in, in need. And I saw guys, it was really great, driving around on their motorcycles with bicycles and teddy bears and baby dolls and all these big, tough, burly guys. And they got a toy tied to the bike. It was just awesome to see. What it's all about. We're in the giving back season, and that's what I hope we all remember. I am Joe Weston, joined by Ned Reynolds. Ned, how are you? Doing just great, thank you. When it's 70 degrees, the old man's bones don't hurt anywhere near as much. That's right. I know. You're loving this weather, aren't you? John Oliver's with us today. We had a little uh, lineup shakeup before the start of the show, but John, steadfast. He's our he's our Cal Ripken. Yep, there you go. I'm the iron horse of something. So. <laughs> the iron horse of something. And Kevin joins us from Denver. Kevin, how are you today? Good thing, uh, Joe and Ned and John. Nice to be with you. Yeah. So like we nice for uh, football, huh? Yeah. Perfect. perfect. It's going to be perfect. Little disclaimer: Kevin's related to me by by marriage. But he does know a lot about Denver football. He is a hardcore Broncos fan. He was a sports writer in college. And he's a guy that we turn to every time that we play the Broncos because we want to get insight into Denver. And we were talking before we went on the air about how um, kind of up and down the AFC West has been. Mm-hmm. And uh, wanted to get your take. Just, to, just let us know about the Broncos. What, what can we expect to see as Chiefs fans? So tonight, you're, you're probably going to see uh, trying to control the ball. I don't know the math. Uh, we have a rookie running back, Javante Williams. He's kind of a workhorse. We got Melvin Gordon. We got a bunch of weapons outside and a good tight end. But I think we want to keep the ball and not strike fast because we know we'll lose that race with moms. So I would expect that. Um, I think we'll probably double Kelsey because our secondary is looking pretty good. And we, uh, and I think it'll be pretty conservative. But we're going to try to get to a home before. If we have to send six, I think you know what that'll look like. You gotta love radio because we we talked to Kevin ten minutes before the show started. Not a single issue. As soon as we put Kevin on the air. We got like every other word. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, you're breaking up no a little way. little bit on us. Uh, it may be maybe us here, or maybe your position out in Denver. But uh, you you mentioned the fact about the running game, and it is a very good one. But I was under the impression Melvin Gordon is not going to play tonight. Does is that resonate with you? So, I heard that was questionable uh, on the radio this morning. They weren't totally sure, but Devontae's. He's going to start. He's going to get the most of the carries. Okay. I, but I think I think Gordon is out out completely for this one tonight. Uh, having said all that, when you see the Denver team, and, and the Broncos got off to something of a shaky start this year, what were your impressions out there, and what what kind of reaction? I know that the Broncos are it in Denver. Yeah, the Colorado Rockies are there, and the Colorado Avalanche is there. But when it comes to the primary team, it's the Broncos, and the fans live and die with them. What was the overreaction? So we were a little hesitant after going three and out the start of the season. We had an easy schedule. We knew the next four were going to be tough. And sure enough, we lost the next four. <laughs> so next thing you know, we trade Von Miller. All the sports talk was really melancholy. And they're talking about Banjo's going to get fired. And we had no ownership. 
And next thing you know, we beat the heck out of the Cowboys. And so that kind of put it. And then you see the Raiders losing a bunch of games and the Chargers dropping a few. And then the Chiefs not beating the Chiefs yet. And so we start thinking, oh, maybe we have a chance if we steal a couple more games. So right now, I, I think we feel like we're kind of in no man's land. Unless, you know, our schedule doesn't look easy. I, I say 10 and 7 would be good. If you guys win, you're probably 12 and 5. So where does that leave us? Um, but everyone's kind of excited for tonight just because uh, – we haven't seen the Chiefs best yet, and we hope we don't see it tonight. <laughs> well, there is always that possibility when you're facing Kansas City, and 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 you're right. It in many respects. This is a telltale game for both teams. It is a divisional game if the Broncos are the real thing, and I'm sure there's questions about that, whether or not they're legitimate. Uh, this will be a big test. For Kansas City, really slow start, but they have come on. They have not exactly rounded teams other than the Raiders like they have in the past, but that may be by design, and I, I, a lot of it depends on I think a lot of that philosophical approach depends on how they play from here on in. A lot of lot of criticism about Mahomes and the game plan. Has it been that, or has it been by design taking your foot off the pedal? Hey, we've got the game one. Let's not risk anything. John, what what do you think about that? I, I think the uh, criticism of Mahomes is a little inflated at this stage. I mean, you look at what he's capable of, and just watching his body language at the end of games and the things he's doing, he's he's tucking a lot of balls that otherwise he might throw downfield if they're already up. He's, you know, going for short passes just to get a little bit of yardage. So I think it is by design, Ned. I think you're exactly right on that. I have to the, agree with you. The explosiveness is there when they need it. We've seen it in spurts this year. But at this point, I think it's it's more about seeing if this defense can keep up what it's done the last few weeks and continue to grow off of that. Kevin, the, uh, the defense of Kansas City, which was much maligned in the early going this year, has really done a turnaround, and they've changed their approach. They've become extremely aggressive. They were not at the start of the year, but now you see these guys doing a lot of blitzing and a lot of disguised blitzes, and you see the defensive backs really covering man-to-man in a lot of respects and, and really covering, well, they've got a lot of speed in the defensive backfield, but the aggressiveness and the pass rush has really been a thing that has bolstered Kansas City in so many respects. Now, how Teddy Bridgewater reacts to that is really kind of interesting because the Chiefs have faced quarterbacks who have been hobbled in the past couple of weeks. Uh, New York has nobody, of course, on their team. The uh, Los Angeles Raiders. Oh, oh, I just called them that. Uh oh, yo, somebody. Las Vegas Raiders. That's funny because <laughs> Kevin called them Oakland earlier. So that's even that's even more egregious. But I call them Los. They've been Los Angeles in forty years. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they're uh, they they didn't play very well at all, and, and there was coming after the you know they had the accident not well the accident the terrible situation involving rugs out there and their coach leaving so they psychologically were a bit down dallas cowboys come in and they could not do anything at all and zach prescott dak prescott a bigger pardon was uh, was totally immobile in the backfield it's immobile quarterbacks who are feeding right into what the kansas city chiefs want and they can raise hell with something like that how has teddy bridgewater yeah. played this season so uh, it's funny you mentioned that because I have a few notes here. So um, 
but to your point, credit to your defensive coordinator for making that change. I mean, you, you guys had games in the 40s and high 30s early on, and then you, you know, you weren't in the 16 to seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Teddy, he, it's a tough one. You know, he's basically auditioning for another team. He's only on a one-year deal, but he has a higher passer rating and completion percentage and yards per attempt, and like half the interceptions that Mahomes has. Would you want Teddy? Bridgewater in a second before more home. Heck no. <laughs> but when you look at those, you're like, it ha- hasn't been terrible. No. Um, no. And and he's he's done his job, I would say, and, and probably even exceeded expectations a little bit. Does that mean he'll be here next year? I doubt it. Teddy, we've got a Teddy Bridgewater fan in the studio. John likes Teddy Bridgewater a lot. I do. I'm a big fan. You know, you have to be a fan of somebody that went through what he did with Minnesota. Coming back from, I mean, the injury that honestly they didn't even know if he was going to make it through health-wise, let alone be able to come back and play at a high level. So I respect how you know tenacious he is, and I respect the fact that he's come back from all that and still played at an elevated level with the Saints everywhere else he's been. And you know now with the Broncos, I don't know how you feel, Kevin, but I think he's been serviceable. I do think, unfortunately, that this is a one-year rental, and I think he's going to try to cash in after this year. Well, and... and- I hope he does. The team loves him. Um, he's doing a bunch in the community, so he's he's well liked. He's a leader. But when you look at the AFC West, you know you got to compete with Herbert and Mahomes and Carr, and it's like he's not on that level probably going forward. And we got to find a way to improve at that position when we're going to be seeing these guys for the next eight, ten years. Kevin, we have a Missouri product who is the backup. Drew Locke, of course, he was a star quarterback at Missouri. Uh, of course, he did yep. get the start for the Denver Broncos for a while. Where does he fit into the game plan? Would you would you suspect it? And I'm talking about the future. So, I think it's over. Hmm. He, you know, they said it was an open camp. Um, they say Teddy edged him out. I've heard people say it wasn't even close. I think it has to do with reading defenses because when you see him chuck the ball and move around, impressive. And he's a big, strong, physical guy. And, I just think it must be he can't read defenses or he's not putting in the time because they never even talk about him. Um, he only plays when Teddy gets hurt. And so I, I think it's probably likely over for him too, which is a bummer because you don't spend a pick that high on a quarterback to, to, to see him go. And, and we've done that too many times. We did it with Osweiler. Um, we did it with Paxton and Lynch. And, and now it looks like we might be doing it with Drew Locke, which is a bad track record for a GM. Doesn't this tell all guys about QBs the last time that the Denver Broncos beat the Kansas City Chiefs? You know who their quarterback was? Uh, Peyton Manning. I was going to say Peyton Manning. That's yeah. been yeah. 700 years ago, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Before, and, was, and, and I think he beat him a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. gosh, yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Was Peyton Manning played football before he was on a ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know that. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. It's your local live sports talk show. We're about 50 minutes from the start of the real guys taking over. Right now we're talking with Kevin, who is uh, out in Denver. He's our Denver contact. He lets us know what's going on with the with the Broncos. A couple of things I wanted to touch on with you, Kevin. First of all, what was the temperature of the the community when Von Miller got traded? It was, wow, we're about to start rebuilding. And that means our coach is going to be gone. And then we're going to have to build through the draft again and deal with ownership. And and all of a sudden that Cowboys thing changed everything. Now Von had had his ups and downs early in his career here. 
but he really took over the team in the last five, six years, and he was always in the community. So people were pretty bummed about it, including myself. But it seems to have not hurt us too much. Someone asked me this, and we can talk about the spread in a minute, Joe. So in that Dallas game, we were underdogs by 10 and a half. Said, well, what, what would the spread be if we had Von Miller? The answer was, it'd still be 10 and a half. So, <laughs> what, what, are we so, what are we so worried about? Yeah, who plugged into his spot? Who's who's taken his spot in the defense? So we've we've had a few different ones. You know, he was kind of a hybrid, right, defensive end, and he'd, he'd play linebacker here and there. We have this guy Cooper, who's really young. That we had to actually, I don't know if we got him off waivers or pull him up from the practice squad. He had like four sacks or hits in his first game. So you wonder if he's really good or no one just knew who he was. And <laughs> he's not Bud Miller, so he wasn't double teamed, right? Um, <laughs> So I don't think they found the answer for for Vaughn yet. I think they're just piecing it together, and we're pretty. We've been pretty hurt on the on the D line. Um, we're kind of healthy tonight, but it's been a few weeks. You know, Kevin, you present a very interesting observation. Uh, the audience, the fans, the media view all this totally different from coaching staffs and the uh, staff. And all these teams have the staff of analysts who give them suggestions as to what to do. They saw something in Von Miller that uh, perhaps. A lot of pro football teams, a lot of teams, period, overlook. And that is, hey, maybe maybe the teeth are getting a little bit long here. Maybe he doesn't. They, they look for subtleties, like a half a step slow. And how is this going to translate in the future? I watched him play with the Rams the other night, and he doesn't have anywhere near the quickness that he he was. He was a terror in rushing quarterbacks. He's not now. Yeah, he can get in there on occasion, mm-hmm. but you're looking for somebody who wants to do it virtually every play. And I think he's beyond that. And uh, sorry to say that I think that's what the Broncos saw, and we better start. Uh, we better start making some deals here while we can. Yeah, it's a it's a well taken point. Um, you know, other teams have the game plan I mean, for him, including you guys many times, right? Because he would disrupt your whole offense very easily. Uh-huh. Um, but you know what else these, these GMs look at when you say getting a little long in the tooth? They also look at uh, what's rest, what the, remains on his uh, deal. And there were a lot of zeros still on there. So oh, yeah, they got that's a, true. Gets to get rid of it. That beloved salary cap that right. really, really makes a big deal. <laughs> hey, we've been totally surprised here. You know, the Chiefs made a move at the trade deadline that looked like it was just, you know, make it a move, and how much that's changed the Chiefs defensively. You're talking about the, the kid from the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers coming in, Melvin Ingram. Yeah, yeah. it has. It's, made, I mean, it's, it's just made it's made all the difference in the world, the defense. It'll, it's allowed the guys to move back to their natural positions and play that way. Um, so, I mean, there was, you, you know, it's funny to watch because Von Miller is a, a bigger name than Melvin Ingram. But obviously, Pittsburgh looked at Melvin Ingram and said, man, we can let go of this guy and moved him to the Chiefs. The Broncos make the decision with Von Miller and he goes to the Rams and, and he's, you know, not the game changer that Melvin Ingram is, but a bigger name. But again, I, it's unfortunately, I don't mean to disagree, but that's compared uh, uh, comparing apples and oranges here because you have a, a totally different situation. In Melvin Ingram's case, he was going to sign with the Chiefs. Uh-huh. I think they're the ones who turned him down. They say, hey, uh, we can probably get along without you. We have this, and we're making this change and bringing Chris Jones into this position and so forth. So, Melvin, you, you're free to do what you want. And the Steelers uh-huh. picked him up. Well, he didn't get it with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is not as good a team as Kansas City. He doesn't really fit into what they were doing. So, yeah, he was expendable with them, and he comes back and does fit into the Chiefs game plan because of the experiment, which was 
foolish to start with, <laughs> and it's still foolish now. And I hope. And now Kevin Kevin praises Spagnolo, the defensive coach. I think he ought to get out of there. I don't think I don't <laughs> think guys worth a damn. Frankly, that's personal opinion. Well, <laughs> he switched up his scheme, which not many coordinators do. I guess I give him credit for that. Well, he did that. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did yeah. that under pressure because he was really getting skewered. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's talk about the Denver coach Vic Fangio. He's in his second year with Denver. Is that right? Second year? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's right. And are already people banging the drum to get him out of there? They were just because we were, again, in no man's land. And you know what was really driving the casual fan crazy? Is he was misplaying the clock almost every game. Mm-hmm. He was misusing his timeouts. Um, and his, he lost all his challenges. And you're like... Okay, man. Maybe you should hire someone to take that off your plate. He's a defensive <laughs> guy, obviously. But when you're watching a tight game, and all of a sudden you're out of timeouts, or you miss a challenge and you lose your last one, or you don't call timeout and the clock runs out before you can kick a field goal, like that drives people crazy. And there was a lot of pressure on the front office. I think he's made some of that back, and he has some goodwill. Uh, but we'll see how the rest of the season goes. Why do you think he has his job at the end of the season? I mean, what's what what's your odds on this? I think if we finish above 500 and at least in the mix for, you know, one of the last playoff spots, wild cards, I think he sticks around because we do have a really good core and we've gotten younger and younger. You know, Patrick Sertain is a wizard. Um, and, and we have uh, all these weapons, you know, Judy and Fant mm-hmm. and, and Cortland Sutton. And, you know, these guys are young and fast and strong. And it's kind of because we couldn't catch you. So we try to kind of mirror what you guys were doing on offense. And if he can handle the defense, um, the offense should be fine. So I think that's what they're thinking. But I, I definitely think it's TBD. My hunch, if I had to bet, would be he's gone. And, you know, Kevin, interesting you bring up Steve Judy because he was very much on the Chiefs' radar as adding to the already – rocketing receiving core they had hey another product oh another product of alabama my goodness sake they just turn them out right oh and God, left yeah. down there <laughs> all right let, let's ask you this question as we we, we kind of wrap up the first segment here and, and, let, and let's get your get you out on this your christmas shopping this year for the denver broncos <laughs> what what coach if vic vancio's gone is the coach that you want and what quarterback do you want so I'll try to make this quick, but if you connect some of these dots here, guys, who we've just extended on offense and how we got rid of Vaughn's contract, I think they're trying to make it very attractive to Rodgers, and there's been rumors about that for a year now. He was seen playing golf here with L.A. and Peyton Manning recently. Um, and now Russ Wilson sounds like he's the heck out of Seattle. Uh-huh. So I think it's one of those. Do you have enough cap room? You know, what does that do? Who do you have to give up? Do you have to give up Sertain and and Judy, you know, for example? And then um, for me, I don't know, maybe it's a little old school, but one coach I've always had my eye on um, that's not going to be available is Mike Tomlin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree. I think that's a very good one. This Uh is the, Kevin, this is the final question. Then we will let you go. I want your opinion, and this is an over. <laughs> this is an over under. When uh, John and I just came in a few minutes ago, it's about uh, 70, 65, 70 degrees here, and I imagine that's what it'll be—something like that up in Kansas City. What is the over under 
on 70 degrees in Denver on the last game of the season when the Chiefs play the Broncos out there. <laughs> I, I will tell you, it's not totally out of the question here. You never know what you're going to get. But, yeah, is, is that the last game of the season? It is, yes. Uh -huh. That's game 17. Okay. That is. All right, so give us your pick. Are you pick? Are you riding with the Broncos tonight, or are you are you, are you going to go with your heart, or are you going to go with your head? So, I looked at the line a couple of days ago. It was nine and a half. Mm -hmm. Today it's eight and a half. So that means you know Vegas likes us a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I do think you know we used to have these shootouts, and and to your point earlier, Ned, that it's different now. So if you're going to give me eight and a half, if you give me that hook, I will take it. But I think. The Chiefs win 24-16. I think you made a very wise choice because eight and a half is something of a hybrid number. And uh, you're more than more often than not, you're going to win with that one yeah. if you're taking it. Well, I think a lot of it depends on what we see with Patrick Mahomes tonight because that's the, that's a big teller whether the Chiefs are going to play extremely good football and score a lot of points or whether they're going to win the game on the defensive side of the exactly. ball. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Kevin, for yeah, joining can us. Get to him? Oh, that was great, guys. I really enjoy it. Anytime, man. Enjoy Thanks for, sure. Thanks Thank for joining us. Thanks, we'll be Kevin. back in just a few minutes with Ned Talk and 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 25 minutes, well, 35 minutes, sorry. Cut it, cut 10 minutes out of our show right there. 35 minutes away from the start of the pregame show with Art Haynes, Dan Israel, and of course, Mitch Holtis, the man, Mitch Holtis. Let's talk about it's been two weeks since we've been here, so let's go back two weeks and talk about the performance of the Chiefs over the Cowboys. The score is a little closer than what the game was. Mm -hmm. The game was one, and Dallas had it, was never in it, in my opinion. They never had a chance. Kansas City all over them. I was very unimpressed with Dak Prescott. The fact that he was so immobile, he did not move. Now, was that because the Chiefs were aggressive? No, I think the Chiefs were aggressive because the guy couldn't move at all. So <laughs> right. they're in there running all over. I mean, just raising hell in the backfield. And, hey, to that end, Kansas City was able to dominate the game. No, they were no great shakes on offense. Dallas's defense had something to do with that. But over and above, it's what John and I were talking about earlier. I think Kansas City is in a different frame of mind now from what mm -hmm. they have been in the past. They're not looking to squash people they're looking just win and remain healthy because injuries, now the Chiefs have had their share, but it hasn't been anywhere near as catastrophic as it has been with other teams. They're, the stars are aligned, and that's, that's very, very good. You want them to remain that way. This is a physical game. These are pro athletes. They can hit hard. Anything can happen. Why risk? Why take a chance? No. Got the game won, win it, get out. <laughs> no, you you could not be more right, Ned. And I mean, the situation with the Chiefs, you know, it's amazing to me that within a four-week period, we've gone from, is this the end of the Kansas City Chiefs to, oh, well, we're ahead in the AFC. So, you know, the AFC West, why not? 
Um, I, you know, we talked with Kevin a little bit about the addition of Melvin Ingram and, you know, not to go back too much on that, but when we first discussed that, one of the things I mentioned was, you know, what we call in baseball, the clubhouse dynamic and, you know, what can happen when one person comes in who's motivated either by, you know, desire, by feeling slighted by another team. Melvin Ingram is a prime example of that. He came in and yes, he did push Chris Jones back to his position, which that I agree with you, that shouldn't have ever been an experiment. And you see what has happened now. That's, you know, you can explain it. Yeah, we've changed the schemes and, you know, Spagnola's done this and done that. But I really don't think you can minimize the importance of a guy like that coming in and completely rejuvenating everybody. I mean, Jones had three and a half sacks. We, I don't remember the last time we've seen that from him. So I think more so than people believe, I think the offense thrives off the defense and I think it's a almost symbiotic relationship. So when one gets hot, the other one says, okay, we're going to step up too. It's a confidence builder. There's mm-hmm. no question about that. I uh, Let me toss this out here to both of you guys. Do you think at this point the Chiefs are winning in spite of Patrick Mahomes? Oh, heavens no. No, 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 no. They are not winning because of what he did in the past couple of years. They just know fully well what he can do. So their mindset is, let's do our role here, let him do his thing, and we'll win. No, it's not despite him. This guy's he may not have had quite the stats that he's had in the past. Mm-hmm. He may have tried to do a few things earlier in the season, of which he is not accustomed. <laughs> but uh, he's, he, hey, he's still a leader, and he's still an outstanding QB, he really is. John, your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I, I agree to a point. Um, th- for me, the the doctor's diagnosis on Mahomes for the first, you know, six, eight games of the season was the defense was so porous. And, you know, that symbiotic relationship I just mentioned, Mahomes is the type of guy that says, OK, if we're weak, I'm going to put it on my back. I'm going to put it on my back. And you saw him make so many careless passes so many decisions that weren't like what we've seen in the past. And that's because he was taking it all upon himself, kind of like Ned alluded to. I think, you know, he's the type of guy that wants to be that captain. He wants to be that leader. And now that the defense has come back, he can settle back a little bit and say, oh, okay, this field looks a lot more wide open now that we know it's went three and out. Okay. It's also a, a three-letter word that figures into this, and it's not meant to be derogatory in any way, but it does figure into every aspect of life on this earth, and that's E-G-O. Oh, yes. You've got to swallow your ego and play the game as a team player. I don't care where you are, in broadcasting, in business, in government, whatever it is, and certainly in athletics, you play as a team member. I, I'm going to take the other the other side of this because I think that he's the weak link right now with the team. I think the receivers and the and Travis Kelsey, the running game's been actually pretty decent this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got a a bunch of guys there that are really doing the job, really carrying the ball really well. I was even like rest Hilaire a little bit longer. Let, <laughs> let, let these guys, you know, and then from week to week, you don't know who you're going to get, whether it's Daryl Williams or whether it's Derek Gore. You know, Derek Gore, Gore three or four weeks ago had a phenomenal game. You're like, where was this guy all season? And they were saying, well, he's he's gained coaches' trust, so he's getting some more play. 
But I think he's the weak link right now. I think even though the Chiefs' defense is playing better, he's still got an issue with ball protection. He's a huge issue with it because the turnover is really coming on fumbles and interceptions. And and you can still see him forcing just a little bit, mm-hmm. trying to make the play when it's it doesn't require that he makes the play. I'll still take him on my team. Anyway. Oh, yeah, I'm not I'm not saying trade him. I'm not saying cut him. But I I I'm kind of wondering when's the light going to go off with him because he's that type of player. You know that it's just a matter of time before it 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 clicks, and then you're going to see Patrick Mahomes of old. You know, is there an injury? Is there something going on? I think it's going to click with him. You you don't agree? Well, I I think they changed their th- mindset, and I think they could do that all if they wanted to. If they wanted to squash teams and embarrass them and flex their muscle, hey, we're here. They don't have to do that. Everybody knows they're good, and to beat them, you're going to have to play very steady, hard football. And Mahomes realizes this, and the Chiefs realize it. So don't give those teams an opportunity. Don't play into their hand. Just do what you can do, play it conservatively, do just the routine things, and you do them well, and I think you'll win anyway. We uh, talked about it quite a bit with Kevin and the Denver Broncos. You're kind of both you guys' impression about the AFC West this season because the Chargers came out of the gate (laughs) like they were going to be world beaters, and then they'd fallen off the table. The Broncos, again, Kevin mentioned they started the season 3-0. Joe, every team, in every sport, it doesn't matter what the situation is, goes through slumps. And in football, with a 17-week season, 17-games, 18-week season, you're going to have the, the peaks and valleys. The Chargers, hey, don't look now, but they beat the Cincinnati Bengals like a drum today, 41-22. to 22. They may have gone through their slump. They may be coming back. The Raiders, I'm, I'm not convinced that they were really have all that good a team. They got off to a nice start. The Chiefs they had their slump early. They're coming back and playing at a higher level now. It's the way, the way professional athletics and any athletics, for that matter, it's the way it works. Would you I, agree with that, John? I completely agree. And, I mean, you look at the Chiefs started off so inconsistently, but that was when those three other ti- teams were shining. Exactly. So right now you've got the Chiefs in the midst of a four-game winning streak, Everybody else has a one-game winning streak <laughs> at this point. So the losses finally caught up to the other teams. Sure. And at this point, I you know, I think the Chiefs can win this division rather easily. But there's always that aspect of if, you know, Herbert gets hot or, you know, if Denver puts things together, this is a very interesting division. I think the best thing that happened to the AFC West this season is for them to be scheduled to play the NFC East. And the Dallas seems to have gotten healthy playing the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, the Cowboys were overrated. Well, they're not not all that good a team, in all honesty. But they are, and we've talked about this time and again on this show. It is professional football. These are all great stars, the lowest level— Detroit Lions won today. They, they won mean? a game. Beat the Minnesota Vikings for first game. <laughs> oh, Minnesota even, Vikings. Even, yeah, but still, even then, here is a team that can win in what is the finest level of football in the world. So you have to understand that you're going to have losses every so often. It's going to happen because these are outstanding athletes. Washington is beating the Raiders right now, 14-12. to 12. The Raiders have the ball with about 10 minutes to go in the game. Rams beating the Jaguars 37-7. to 7. Oof. 
Oof. Yeah, John said it best. Seahawks and 49ers tied at 23. Buccaneers 30-17 to 17 over the Falcons. Uh, we talked about that Chargers game. I watched that a little bit earlier today. The Chargers looked... They're, they were a microcosm. This game was a microcosm of their season because at times they looked like they could not be stopped. And at times they looked like they <laughs> couldn't stop anybody <laughs> or anything. So, I, you know, it's it's an it's an up and down league. I mean, it's it's just the way it plays out. It was it Chris Long said yesterday the the parody in the NFL this year is unlike any he has ever seen, and that's a good thing. And and it is because it gives virtually every team a chance. What is the last I saw? There are 32 teams, and I think is it 24 of them are still in the hunt for oh, a Oh, it's wide, wide open. <laughs> and I think, you know, Joe, you mentioned the NFC East. What people forget about is the last two seasons before this year, we're talking about the team that got into the playoffs having – a sub 500 record both years. So, I mean, this has been a bad division for a while and there haven't been too many adjustments to change that. Well, good news in the NFC East, uh, God's team as Ned refers to them. <laughs> they won today. The Eagles 33 to 18. And it was the over Jets. the New York Jets, Jets. over yeah. whom they have, get this, a 13 year winning streak. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a new segment coming up next. It's called Shot Clock. Stick around for that. Should be interesting opinions coming at you fast. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 20 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show right here on 104.7 The Cave. We're the uh, we're the appetizer <laughs> for the pregame show. The hors d'oeuvres, so to speak. Yeah, Ted right. Reynolds, Joe Weston, John Oliver, and we're talking sports. And we've got a new segment that I thought we'd try out this week while Josh is not here to mess things up. <laughs> So here, here. It, it, it's a it's a rapid fire shot clock question. I'm going to ask you guys questions. You have 45 seconds to give me your opinion about that question. And when you hear this, let me see if I can get this working rightly. Well, maybe not. Okay, when you hear this, well, you can't hear it. So anyway, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know what happened with that at all. It worked just a second ago. But it's not working now. I heard I'll you t- testing I'll do- it. Oh. There you go. All right. That- <laughs> that's how professional We're going to lo-fi. We're going to lo-fi on this. <laughs> so that's how it's all going to work. We ju- I just decided to do this over the weekend. I thought it would be fun. So l- let's great. let's start off. Let's adjust. John's patronizing me now. I am not. All right. That's great. Our first question goes to Mr. Reynolds. What are your thoughts on Brian Kelly taking the job at LSU? Initially, very surprising because being a Kelly and being from Cincinnati, where he came from, he had a big winning record at Cincinnati, never in the football playoffs, but goes to Notre Dame, seems like a dream job, is a dream job for a guy who has bled the Notre Dame green all his life, mm-hmm. leaves for LSU, why $10 million a year for 10 years? Yes, I would leave too. It's all about the money. The fact that he left when Notre Dame still had a fleeting chance of being in the playoffs, that did surprise me, and I condemn him for that, bailing out on his team. But by the same token, 
the chance was so remote at happening that he just took a gamble and it's going to pay off for him. How well he does at LSU, who knows? But at Notre Dame, I thought he did a good job. All right. Very good, Ned. You're right under the shot clock. Wow. That, one. You that was perfect, impressive. Perfect timing. So on the other side of the coin, John, I'll ask you, what do you think about Lincoln Riley taking the job at LSU? Uh, no, 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 Southern Cal. Oh, no, USC. Oh, I'm Lincoln, sorry. Lincoln Riley. Riley USC. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Southern Cal. Yeah, Southern Cal. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, no, you're fine. Uh, you know, as somebody that was an Oklahoma fan years ago, and I've kind of lost my connection with Norman, uh, I like the move from a career standpoint for Lincoln Riley. He's a good kid. He has really done well at Oklahoma. I think this is a fantastic opportunity on a bigger stage. I hate it for Oklahoma because it has been the death march since Stoops left and even before Bob Stoops left. Uh, I kind of hope they go homegrown to try to turn that program around a little bit, maybe like a Josh Heupel, someone like that. It's it's probably going to be the defensive coach who had been under Stoops for uh, so many years, Venables. He's yes. probably going to get the job, and he might he might do all, all There's right. There's a shot clock, guys. Oops, you went over the shot clock. That's a violation. Uh, what, what is All right, the, so what's the, the penalty? So the ball's turned over <laughs> to somebody else now. All right, let's get your opinion. I, I'm going to ask both you guys the same question on this one. What's your thoughts on the MLB lockout? Mm. I'll go first on this one, Joe. So my thoughts are we have millionaires and billionaires arguing, and I'm sick of it. Uh there's no reason talks couldn't have progressed more, but both sides are so damned stubborn they couldn't get it done. And at this point, there is the risk of another, you know, loss of games during the season, which coming after the pandemic is horrible. And if we lose a significant number of games, say 40, 60, 80, I think this could affect baseball and maybe even be the death knell for professional baseball as we know it. My turn. I yeah, will turn. absolutely 100% agree. I think it is the most ridiculous piece of rubbish that baseball has ever presented. The commissioner uh, saying, well, we need this lockout to hurry up the negotiations. <laughs> Who in the world do you think you're talking to? <laughs> I mean, we may have some low <laughs> IQs there, but not all of us, for heaven's sake. What kind of rubbish is this? All right, here's the deal. I don't think that's going to happen. I really feel like these early signings, in which millions of dollars have been forthcoming, uh, some of these players are going to say, wait a minute, wait just a minute here. We need to play the game. The public is so upset. All of the, all of the journalists all across the country, and, and why not, have really condemned everything that's going on. No, I, I think they get it settled. But the fact that they have had the lockout, the general public remembers all of this. They won't if it's of short term. But if it's a long-term, dragged out over the course of the winter, that's very, very bad for baseball. Another shot, lo- shot clock violation for Ned Reynolds there on that one. The ball's turned over again. You mean so- to tell me I exceeded my 45 seconds? You did. It's hard to believe. That you're, not, you- you're not getting out of the paint in time, Yeah, you're, just, you're not getting the ball over the... <laughs> Dragging half- my fat behind <laughs> and there is one line. All right, Ned, let's uh, start with you on this one. What do you think of Alabama beating Georgia? Did not surprise me one bit. I picked Alabama. I saw the point spread at six and a half. I said, this is a piece of cake. I will give the or take the points and go with the tide and because they're going to win the game. And they won it. Why? Because they are Alabama. <laughs> hey, gang, they are a very solid football team. Maybe, arguably, not quite as good as they've been, but they're still top of the line. 
And the way they've structured, they being the bowl committee, the way they've structured this now with Alabama 1 and Michigan and... Uh, and uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Well, no, Cincinnati's fourth. Mm-hmm. Alabama, Michigan and Georgia mm-hmm. are, are two and three, so they'll play each other. And Alabama and Cincinnati... Who's the outlier here? Cincinnati is a nice football team, but they're not in that caliber gang <laughs> at all. They have it ar- arranged, and, and they've done this on purpose so that Alabama and Georgia play again. What do you think about that, John? I'll I'll, I'll switch up my question and ask you: What do you mm-hmm. think about the manipulation and the maneuvering that's going on here in college football? I. I think it's going to continue because it's all about money. It's about the almighty dollar. They want the teams in. We saw this when, you know, Oklahoma was undefeated for a bit. You don't see necessarily the top four records reflected in the top four. And as much as I hate to say this, and if Josh were here, he'd probably be laughing. Nick Saban makes better adjustments than any other college coach out there. He doesn't make the same mistake twice. And that's why this Georgia game went the way it did so i don't think he'll be defeated a third time either that is so well said it is nick saban he is the key to this whole thing blast him you don't like him as a human being (laughs) all he does is win for nine million (laughs) dollars a year the guy knows what he is doing yes yeah he may not like him but he smells good Uh, (laughs) let's uh, go to our final question and that is texas coach is being sued because his girlfriend had a monkey in the backyard at Christmas, at Halloween and a child, an 11-year-old child, got bit by the monkey. Ned, your take on that? Well, I don't know anything about the legalities. I did read the story and all that. It's, I don't mean to downplay the incident, but hey, the monkey is an animal. It's going to bite. There are certain situations. I remember once when I was a kid, my beloved pony bit the hell out of my arm. All right. You had a pony? No, no, I didn't. It was my cousin's. (laughs) And I beat the hell out of it. Really? I need to know more about this pony. (laughs) (laughs) But but the fact of the matter remains, those things can happen. I can't see any lawsuit winning and something like this. Play stupid games, get stupid prizes, is what I say (laughs) on this one. I mean, owning a monkey and having it free reign in your backyard is idiotic. I don't understand why, if these pets are for companionship, they can't go with house cats and dogs like regular people. When you start having tigers and there's a tragic story about it biting its owner, I have no sympathy. (laughs) This is like the guy that jumps the little, you know, stay out sign in the tiger cage at the zoo and then jumps the other railing and then jumps in the cage. And we talk about a tragedy when he's ripped to shreds. There are fail-safes in place. Don't own these animals. They're wild animals for a reason. I, I think one of the things that was really funny to me was that the, the lady, it's his girlfriend that owns this. And by the way, her nickname is, I believe, Pole Assassin because she's a stripper or was a stripper. That's, and that's not the demeanor in any way, shape, That's or such form. a lob. I'm not even going to take a hit but, at it. But she... She, you know, ran out and said, well, I've been bit by him several times and I've never had any issues because they don't, they've not vaccinated the monkey. Right. They've not taken care of the monkey. They're anti-vaxxers. That's the problem. COVID. It's another spreading of, watch out, folks, hide under the bed. All right. We'll be back in a minute with our picks right here on Ned Talk. Listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk 
on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Real quick before we get to our picks, John Oliver has something he wants to get off his chest about COVID and football. I do, and I just want to put this out there as an example of some of the things that I think we just don't think about anymore. So I want to give you two scenarios. One scenario is an individual misrepresents that he is vaccinated in a league that requires it. He is instead immunized. We don't know necessarily what that means. Then we have three individuals who lied about their vaccination status and provided fake cards. Now, you would think, and I think in looking at that, that those are very similar offenses. I think the layperson will. One player was suspended a game and then allowed to come back. The other three individuals were suspended for three games for a similar offense. Let me correct you. Mm -hmm. The one player was not even suspended for a game. He was on COVID COVID protection. But I'll call it a game off. Yeah. So, because he he had it, mm-hmm. he did. He was positive. So, of course, mysteries aside, we're talking about Antonio Brown and the two other teammates on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and of course, Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. So, this really hit me hard because I wanted to take a long look at the difference between the two situations. And, folks, you know whether or not we want to come to grips with this or not, there are still problems in our society, and the problem here is. Aaron Rodgers makes the NFL a lot of money. He makes a lot of commercials. He's a Green Bay hero. The other three men for Tampa Bay, I'll, I never thought I'd be defending Antonio Brown, but here it goes. <laughs> I've never thought you'd be They're either. football players just like Aaron Rodgers. The only difference between these players is the color of their skin. This needs to stop. And the NFL, unfortunately, more so than any other organization in professional sports, is guilty of this repeatedly. Goodell gets leaked emails and does what he needs to do on most situations. This needs to be addressed. And the fact that there hasn't been more about this absolutely troubles me. Here, here. I agree completely. Let's go to our picks. Ned, what do you think? Do we have any more time? Because I want to elaborate, too. We don't. No, we, we do are. not have any more time. We're completely out Chief, of time. Chiefs get the win at 31-21. What, is, uh, what, is, what do you think? What do you think as far as this game goes? I think as far as this game goes, uh, I talked to my father, Ed, no, about this. And he said to go KKLH, with the Chiefs, of course. So I'm going to go 30 You're home for the Kansas City Chiefs and Springfield's pure classic rock station. I would uh, take the Chiefs of this game, and I think they're going to win it big. I'm going 34-10. Final score of this game, that is what I pick. That is what I'm going with. What do you do you see this as being uh, just another step as the Chiefs move towards the inevitable again this season? Now? Well, keep in mind, these are pro football teams and their players, and they're all out there trying hard. Denver is flying under the radar a little bit. They aren't as good as the Chiefs, but they are certainly capable of some things. I think Kansas City plays it fairly close to the best, scores when they have to, but plays it also conservatively as they have done the past month and a half. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, thank you for a fantastic show. I want to say thanks to Kevin, who joined us from Denver, to give us a little insight into what we'll see from the Broncos tonight. Yes. The kickoff for the game is right around 725. Pre-game starts in just a moment with Art Haynes, Dan Israel, Mitch Holtis. I want to say thanks to Scott Meyer, Brian Tyndall, 
Mike the Intern, Corbin Campbell. We'll see you guys next week. We'll be on at 10 a.m. Sunday morning, unless something changes. We'll be right here for Ned Talk. (laughs) 